0: just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution
1: that the world needs is a Christian revolution.
0: If you want a miracle,
1: you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. and I have good news for you. Wherever you're at in life, uh, there is more for you. as long as you're breathing, God has a design, a purpose, a will, a good will, good plan for your life. And I know sometimes we can feel like you know maybe we're we're through with a season or we've made mistakes and you know we we just got nowhere to go with that, but that's not God. We have a God of of redemption and repurpose. And the good news today is the title of a book called God's Not Done With You. And it is by Pastor John Metter with uh, Cross City Church, which uh, used to be First Baptist Euless, which is where I grew up under Jimmy Draper. So I'm excited to have him back. John, great to have you on Life Today Live.
1: Thank you so much, Randy. Pleased to be here.
0: I'm guessing this is one of those messages that uh, has resonated with people. I know you're about to start a series that people can watch on on the Cross City Church website, but where did this message come from for you?
1: Well, it was about three years ago that um, I was reading some of the stories of the characters of the Old Testament, and I noticed uh, a recurring theme. Every one of them had come back from seemingly impossible circumstances. And, um, I mean, it looked like the dead end was in front of them. They had given up. Others had given up on them. And all of a sudden, God spoke to them. God led them. God broke through. And they turned out to be our heroes in the Bible. And um, so I I just gradually realized every hero in the Scripture has a comeback story. Mm -hmm. I preached a message series on that back in 2019, and it resonated with our people. They just began to say, hey, that characterizes where I've been. And, uh, it hope it gives me hope that I can be where I need to be. So, uh, I began to put it to paper and, uh, the result is the book. God's not done with you.
0: Have, uh, have you had your own comeback story?
1: I do. I think (laughs) all of us do. Um, my comeback story has a great deal to do with a physical impairment. I, uh, I had a very high fever as a young boy. I was sick and that fever threatened my life. And, um, my first real early memory was my parents putting me in a bathtub full of ice and water to try to break that fever we lived in rural oklahoma no doctors nearby but through a phone conversation with the doctor he said you've got to do something to get that fever under control well the fever itself had caused inner ear nerve damage obviously i survived that uh, but my hearing was lost and so at the age of six uh, my world went silent i'd lost 95 percent of my hearing altogether and uh, so my world changed, and I wasn't really aware of it, but um, it changed. And for my parents and for people that knew me, something was different. I'd already learned to speak, so I could still talk, but um, bottom line on it was I wasn't responding to people. And uh, when we learned that my hearing was lost, then my parents really began a championship effort to help me in every way they possibly could so I could function in, in society. Um, Randy, we lived in a part of the of the country where there were no resources. There was no uh, sign language schools. There was mm-hmm. no school for the deaf near us. Um, so they just immersed me into culture, taught me to read lips uh, through some speech therapist, And uh, so now I read lips and have been for all these years. I wear hearing aids that help me hear some sounds, but I don't hear the consonants. I just kind of hear a murmuring is what you might uh, hear it as. But I read lips, I, I see the consonants formed by your lips and I uh, put it all together and then there's a big old g- dose of the grace of God that just really helps me understand. So it, so I, I ought to be hired to be on the sidelines of a football game so <laughs> I could see the plays being called. I can read lips really well.
0: <laughs> so li- literally right <laughs> now, you can, are you hearing anything that I say or are you only reading my lips? I'm reading your
1: lips. I, I hear, again, what might sound like a, a murmuring in another room where you just hear the A-E-I-O-U sounds. Wow. So um, I have a computer with the volume up full, but it's not going to be
0: what you hear. Well, uh, that makes me a little self-conscious. I'm, I'm like want to enunciate <laughs> my words a little extra <laughs> to, to help you out. but uh, huh? You're doing just fine. <laughs> How in the world do you pastor like that? I mean, I know you can— speak and when you speak you don't uh, I, I wouldn't think that you've got any hearing issues because a lot of people who who do you can tell when they speak right um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I get how you could preach a sermon but I mean it, I mean I, it you seem you seem like you're fully functional even without the <laughs> hearing is that the case
1: well I think that um, a couple of things are going on there first of all, I think people have treated me with a lot of grace. Hmm. Uh, I think they've given me space uh, so that if they have to repeat themselves, it's not a big deal. Um, But at the same time, I've learned to read lips well, and I've learned to function where in in conversations that you can somewhat control the context of, then speech becomes somewhat predictable. Hmm. Uh, So that's been a help. But um, I think the bottom line is it's taught me to be uh, a very focused listener most people will tell me and do tell me you listen closer than anybody i've ever shared with well that's a pastoral quality and uh god built that into me it's a requirement for me <laughs> but i will say when i began to sense that god was calling me to preach that was my primary objection how can a pastor who can't hear really shepherd people and do you know what god told me I felt like God spoke to me, uh, not audibly, but unforgettably, and just basically said, if you can hear me, John, you hear all you need to hear. And the truth is, many of us hear people and never hear God. But I've learned over the years hearing God is the most important thing for a shepherd.
0: I would I would imagine that... Um, it, It sounds like your parents and and you and your relationship with God never put limits on yourself. Society would tend to, I would think. Um, Was there a moment where you thought, uh, I I don't care what people think. I'm going to do what God called me to do. Because, I mean, you're not just pastoring a church. Uh, There's a lot of big churches in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I mean, you're talking about a 3,000-seat auditorium. Uh, and you've got multiple services ministering all over the world. Um, I mean, you're you're doing a lot. Was there a moment <laughs> where you had to maybe shift your thinking, and or maybe what the world thought of you, and, and say, "I'm the oh, absolutely, student. okay." Tell me about that, because that's, as, you, that's as you might imagine, well,
1: growing up, going to class and school, and not being able to hear what other people heard wearing hearing aids when nobody else wore hearing aids in my class. Those kinds of things tended to affect my self-image. And then, of course, you have kids that sometimes can be kind of cruel. And and uh, so I was looking for a way to be equal with my peers. And turns out that sports is something that I uh, excelled at. So I kind of felt like I was equal on the basketball court or the football field, but but not anywhere else, not socially, not in the classroom. And I was angry with God because of that. I, I was a believer as a young boy, and I believed that God could have healed me at any moment, yet for some reason did not. So that was an anger thing, a self-identity thing. And God confronted me with that, and basically, uh, I remember sitting in a car in a parking lot in college, uh, feeling the lack of acceptance of those around me, and, and, and the Lord just became, He drew close to me and just said, is my acceptance of you and my plan for you not enough? And i really had to come to grips with the fact that it is enough that god accepts me that god can change change me but didn't and uh and hasn't at that point so i'm just going to trust him for the future and that was my breakthrough moment Uh, after that randy i didn't really uh concern myself with what other people thought (laughs) i knew that god loved me cared about me accepted me and had a plan for my life that was better than my own version of a plan for my life and that was a breakthrough moment about the age of 19. And my whole life changed. It really did. Uh, my confidence went through the roof. Uh, I began to realize that if God was calling me to something, he could enable me to do it. And I began to trust him for that on a daily basis. Everything changed at that moment.
0: Well, and so, you know, when you, when you preach this message that God's not done with you, you're, you're preaching it from a pra- place of, of not just theory, but practice, which is pretty amazing. I believe it, but one of the people that you talk about in your book, uh, also dealt with anger, and and also, I'm sure, felt like God was done with him, and yet he's one of the most well-known names, and that's Moses. You relate that's to right. Moses a bit? Oh,
1: I really connect with him. You know, we see Moses as one of the greatest leaders, maybe even a superhero of the Old Testament, but his life is broken down into three 40-year periods, and the second one was a very dark period after he had reacted against the uh, the Egyptian that was punishing his his fellow man, and he actually put him to death. He killed him. And he ran from Pharaoh, backside of the desert, for 40 years. And So after about 30 or 38 years or 39 years, surely you wonder, isn't God done with me? I haven't heard from him. I, I don't have any real purpose in life. I'm just out here. And that burning bush experience that God gave, Moses said, I'm not done with you. Um, and so he got alone with God. God spoke to him, and the last 40 years of his life was known as the Exodus. So ab- absolutely, God had a big plan for Moses that he had no clue about until that moment. So yeah, I identify with him really,
0: really closely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you you go through in the book, God's Not Done With You, available wherever you get books. Um, you go through a lot of different stories in the Bible. And I know as a pastor, you're going to tell me that you love them all. But, but come on, is there a sermon... A character that you look forward to preaching about the most other than Moses
1: well I love them all I love Moses Joseph and, and you're right that's that's what you're gonna get from me whatever <laughs> passage I'm in is my favorite passage <laughs> at the moment but you know when I look at these nine different characters uh, I guess one of my favorites is Abigail and that sounds strange coming from me but Abigail's is a surprising story told in one chapter First Samuel 25 She is in a toxic relationship with her husband. Mm -hmm. She has another angry man named David, who's a king-to-be, who is hungry and been uh, disrespected by her husband, and she's got to mediate between those two. And I think the reason that that story resonates with me is because there is so much toxicity in our families, and our culture today, and and Abigail stands out as a sterling example of how God can use you as a peacemaker Mm -hmm. when there doesn't seem to be any peace around. Plus it's a romance story. Uh, at the end of it all, Nabal, her husband dies and David comes back and asks her to be the queen. So we should be making movies about the, this woman and her story. So it is a favorite of mine and um, I like to point it out whenever I can.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting that you do include uh, women in this because I, I, unfortunately I think sometimes society and even the church at times has, has sent the wrong message to women uh, but I mean, I, I take it by the inclusion of Esther and Abigail's story that you're saying God's got a role for women. That's right.
1: And those are just two of many, many in the scripture. And you're right. Uh, we have neglected to tell those stories and there's so much, there's so much more to tell. Uh, but those ladies were incredible, incredible, uh, examples to us
0: as to how to lead and how to listen to the Lord. Yeah. And you know, there's another, uh, great story that you you talk about and you relate it to something that a lot of people are struggling with, uh, in mental health, uh, with depression. Uh, you know, we, we point to COVID, but I think a lot of it was already there. I think, I think society, the hopelessness that we see in society and confusion is leading to a lot of depression. Tell us what, uh, what you see in the scripture when you see someone who feels like maybe depression has taken them out of God's will or out of his plan.
1: Well, I think that's a natural way to feel when we are depressed and we're wondering how can God use us and, and what have I done wrong in order to be in this pit that, that I feel like I'm in. And that's a very personal story for me. Uh, as I detail the story of Elijah, I give the example of my wife and I uh, early on in our marriage. Uh, my wife, Kim, Uh, went through a deep period of depression. We had two young children, a third on the way. I can remember coming home from work and seeing her sitting on the stairway inside our home, weeping and not knowing why. She even came to the point of feeling suicidal, having actual thoughts about how that would take place. And so I knew we were in a dangerous position, but I I wasn't prepared to to handle it. I wasn't wise. Uh, I didn't have all the resources that people seem to have today. But we did have the Lord, and we had the story of Elijah, who came so close, he said, Lord, put me to death. Take my life. I'm no better than my father's. So many lessons in there. But but my wife and I experienced great freedom uh, in a two- to three-month period of time from depression that has lasted even these years later. Decades later, my wife Kim would say, I've never again struggled with depression uh, like I did back in those days. And, and God has been faithful to help me out of it. So my, my message is, God is faithful even when we don't understand how it all works and even when we're at our lowest. And keep in mind, Elijah was a great man of God and still at the bottom of despair. So it happens to the best of us.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people need to hear that uh, because well, it, I agree. Our, our, our humanity, I think, uh, holds us back more than God intends, I think it's like, he's not surprised that we struggle with things. Uh, and he's Mm -hmm. got a plan and he's graciously invited us to be a part of what do you, what do you think the key is? Uh, is, is it just surrender or is there something we need to do? Do we need to, you know, how do we, if we feel like we're outside of where God wants us to be, what would you say to maybe get us back on track?
1: Well, um, in the life of Elijah, some of those things that come to mind um, are the fact that Elijah was worn out physically. He was hungry. He was angry. Uh, he was tired. He was lonely. All these things were happening when he was at his lowest. He actually left his servant one day's uh, journey into the wilderness to be by himself to, to weep on his own. And all of those are danger steps, all of them. Uh, the Lord sends an angel to him and then gives him next steps. So, man, that that chapter is a great chapter as to how God sometimes meets us. And I say in that chapter, you know, God can send an angel or, or we can be an angel to somebody else and not let them just be by themselves out there all alone dealing with that depression. But part of what a person has to realize is that, that God has next steps for you. And for Elijah, God just simply said, I, I see where you are. Uh, I'm going to show you my glory, my power and uh, but i'm going to speak to you about what your next step is if you'll just take that next step everything that you hope for in life is going to take place for you and uh and so he appoints his own successor elijah uh, elijah who deals with all the evil in the land that he's so worried about and if you remember the story of elijah his greatest fear was being put to death at the hands of jezebel and yet it never came to pass not only did jezebel not kill him nobody killed elijah he was caught up in a whirlwind into heaven, and uh, I like to use that to illustrate that our worst fears
0: often never even close to come taking place. Yeah, and, so, and uh, definitely. I, I, it sounds it <laughs> sounds like it's almost too simple. We like things we like to complexify things, uh, but hearing God, getting you know, come come to come to Him, hear Him here is words whether it's in scripture or through prayer you know it's always going to be consistent with scripture and then mm-hmm. obey and sometimes it's just one step i mean more often than not right. it is just one step and and we I that's think right. we make it too complex but if just how do i obey today i think that's really key to getting in God's it's a big wisdom. deal yeah
1: i think today we're so gripped by our feelings and our, our emotions that We're waiting for God to lift our emotions before we take that step. But in reality, we take the step out of faith, not out of feelings, and then feelings can follow suit. Uh, Once you take the step of obedience, you ought to feel right about taking that step of obedience. Then you see God begin to speak or work, then all of a sudden, all those fears and all those uh, concerns that you had begin to be alleviated. But I think we're so gripped by our feelings and our desires today that um, we're waiting on those things to change. But the Scripture tells us that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, not our feelings. And
0: um, but the enemy knows really well how to uh, hook us with our feelings. Yeah, I think you're so right because I think we we do often follow our feelings, our thoughts follow our feelings, but that's not the way Scripture says it is. It's 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 our thoughts that drive uh, how we feel. And when we get our thoughts right, our feelings will will follow. So that that's key. A question a little bit outside of, of the book um, because we see how God can work with individuals and you kind of touched on a principle a little bit with, with Elijah and Elisha but there's a lot in and a lot of feeling in the church you know that God has had his hand on our country uh, and and other countries in the West Canada being included and we see the direction things are going and we think oh no God's done with us as a nation um, and I, I, I struggle with a lot of that. I don't even know if God sees borders, you know, like he did in the Old Testament, And even in the Old Testament, a nation was a people more than a right area. Right. Although there, you know, there were some, some borders and boundaries, but what do you, mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts when you look at at sort of the direction our country is going and the West is going, uh, and the well, idea that I God's done with the... us? <laughs>
1: Well, there are some that would say that um, if if God's done with us, it's because we deserve it because of the direction we're going in. But I would also say that the Old Testament is filled with examples of men and women, and most of these in this book that I've written are living in exile in a non-Christian nation or a non-Judeo-Christian nation, if you will. They didn't have the values that the, the Hebrew people did. So you've got Joseph uh, living in Egypt you've got uh, Moses who for the greatest amount of time was in uh, Egypt as well uh, you've got Daniel if you keep reading in the Bible who is in Babylonian captivity and over and over and over these guys and these men and women were living out their faith in a hostile environment they were the remnant at a time when very few could be counted even Elijah said Lord I alone am left and of course, God said, "No, I've got seven thousand that haven't bent the knee to Baal, but uh, but I'm going to raise those up too." So we have to re- see ourselves as a remnant when we when we don't see ourselves as a majority. I'm all for uh, doing our best to be salt and light in our our country, but I'm also all for being the remnant God's called us to be when our country is moving the wrong way.
0: Yeah. and it is moving the wrong way.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. And you know if. People or nations, whatever, are done with God. He's, he's not done with us. So there's always, mm. always that hope. I want to show people a couple things real quickly. This is uh, the website for CrossCity.Church. Uh, that is Pastor John Metter's church. And you can catch the sermons. You can see the sermon series that he'll be preaching. And then also his personal website, which has some podcasts, is right there, johnmetter.com. Uh, give people real quick an idea, if someone wants to keep up with the ministry, maybe check out the church if they're local, uh, what they can find on your website. Yeah, if they
1: can find podcasts, they can find uh, blog articles and so forth on my personal website, but also that connects to our church website. Tremendous resources for small groups, for studies, for teaching that we have there and we invite people just to explore it and, uh, and visit our church. We're right in the middle of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and we're multi-generational, multi-ethnic. It's a great group of people, loving yeah. God, following God.
0: Yeah, M- multilingual too, I would add. Uh, so we've Spanish yes, that's services true too. there too. All right, man, I appreciate your encouragement. It's just I think people just need to be reminded uh, that, man, God's in control, and he has a plan, and he invites us in. And as long as, like I said when we started, as long as you're breathing, he's, he's not done with us. Uh, anything you want to add before I let you go, I appreciate you today.
1: Well, I would say amen. As long as you have breath, you have the opportunity to serve the Lord and hear the Lord. And there's nothing more exciting than that in life.
0: There you go. Share the message. God's not done with you. Oh, not done gosh. with others. And if you want a little more encouragement, you can pick up that book right there, God's Not Done With You. And if you haven't liked, you're followed, or subscribed, too. do that. Mom? We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.